gentleman who long ago told us something about America that we, as a society, do not readily want to face, and who today have something else to tell us about ourselves. To mark the 75th anniversary of the A.G. Evans Enterprise, the photographer Matt Black and I traveled to California's Central Valley, Cleveland, and Northern Maine, places that, in their own ways, are close to the bottom of the nation's stratified economy. Like A.G. and Evans, we generally focused on people who can be described as the working poor. The official U.S. poverty level is an annual income below $11,880 for a single person, or $24,300 for a household of four. That yields a rate of 13.5% of the population, or 43.1 million people, according to the U.S. Census. But because these figures don't fully account for the skyrocketing cost of housing, among other things, they underestimate the number of Americans enduring hard times. Low income, which I take as synonymous with working poor, is $23,760 for a single person, $48,600 for a four-person household. At that cutoff, 31.7% of the population is seriously struggling. That's 101 million Americans. Undoubtedly, the economic story of our time is the growing income gap. Between 2009 and 2015, the top 1% nabbed 52% of the income gains in the so-called recovery, according to Berkeley economist Emmanuel Saez. I found ample evidence for the troubling decline in what experts call the labor share of revenue, the amount devoted to workers' pay rather than executive salaries and corporate profits. But I encountered something else that A.G. didn't find 75 years ago and that I didn't find even 30 years ago. It came from a former drug dealer in Cleveland who is now taking part in a kind of economic experiment. It was a word I haven't heard in decades of reporting on poverty. Hope. California's Central Valley covers some 20,000 square miles, an area larger than nine different states. Some 250 different crops are grown, one quarter of America's food, 2 billion pounds of shelled nuts annually, for example, 30 billion pounds of tomatoes. Near the edges of the farms and orchards, the illusion of an eternal flat plain is broken only by glimpses of the persimmon-colored coast ranges or the Sierra foothills. The official poverty rate in the valley is stunning. One in five residents in many of its counties. In Fresno, the third poorest U.S. city with a population over 250,000, one out of three residents lives below the poverty line, and of course, far more than that qualify as working poor. Certainly, the seasonal nature of farm work has always been part of the struggle, but life is also growing harder for farm workers because of increasing mechanization, according to Juanita Ontiveros, a veteran activist who marched with Cesar Chavez in the 1960s. It has long been an American contradiction that those who grow our food often go hungry. You can see the desperation in the drawn faces of farm workers walking along the roads, feel it when passing countless dusty settlements like the Scissors. In Cantua Creek, 200 miles south of Sacramento, a taco wagon was parked at a crossroads across from a cotton field. The talk there, as it was everywhere I went in the valley, was about the cutbacks and planting and harvesting brought on by the drought, now in its sixth year. Maribel Aguiniga, the owner, said business was down. People are like the squirrels, she said. They save up to get ready for winter. I thought about the poverty that A.G. saw in 1936, when Franklin D. Roosevelt's New Deal gave many poor Americans a lift. In fact, the three Alabama families documented by A.G. at first assumed that he and Evans were New Deal agents 
who had arrived to help. Government was seen by many as a savior. Fifty years later, when I followed in Agee's footsteps, the mood in the country had changed, as epitomized by President Ronald Reagan's statement that government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. The government certainly wasn't involved in the lives of the 128 people we met connected to the A.G. Evans book. None was on welfare. They were on their own, working in tough jobs for low pay. What I found in my travels this year is a stark contrast to the top-down approach of the 1930s and the go-it-alone 1980s. This time, the energy is coming not from the federal government, but from city governments, local philanthropies, and a new generation of nonprofit organizations and for profit businesses with social missions. In the town of Parksdale, at a freshly leveled former vineyard, ten families, most who work in agriculture, were helping each other build homes through Self Help Enterprises, Inc., a nonprofit in Vizalia.